I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And of course, my new publishing company called Zivi Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Tracy Michael Lewis Giggitz is the author of Black Joy, Stories of Resistance, Resilience, and Restoration. She's the author of 15 books and the host of the podcast Heart Talk with Tracy Michael. Her writing has appeared in a variety of publications, including the Washington Post, Essence, Oprah Daily, and more. We had such an amazing conversation. I hope you'll listen. All right. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss Black Joy, Stories of Resistance, Resilience, and Restoration. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Tracy, your stories, they're so open and raw and beautiful. And there's so much pain in so many parts. And I just was reading and I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I could just reach through this book and hug this woman for some of this stuff. But also you come at it from such a positive point of view and such empowering advice to like adopt this black joy frame of mind and sort of own it and everything. And anyway, I was so moved. I was really, really moved and touched. So thank you. That means, that means a lot because that's what I hope that people get from the book, not just the pain, but also the joy. Yes. Yes. I know I mentioned a minute ago, your grandmother, because you did such a great job of describing her, Viola Brown, right? Was that her name? Viola and everything from the seven books a week that she read and, you know, James Patterson loving and how your family thought she was kind of bougie, but she loved it. And, (laughs) and just how close and the feeling you had 
the feeling of safety and protection that you got and how sad when she died. Oh my gosh. I'm just, you know, as somebody who's been close to my, both my grandmothers, this, I just was so moving. Tell me more about her and more about your relationship. You know, one of the things that sort of led to me writing that was that there were so many things. I think I'm going to start tearing up already. (laughs) But like there were so many things that I wish I'd had an opportunity, the presence of mind to say before she passed. There's so many things that I wanted to know that I feel like are are in some ways kind of lost in the ether. Right. Like I just don't have those answers. And so she was. She was something else. She was, you know, not what people would traditionally envision as the black grandmother that we see in media. Right. Like the, you know, the muumuu wearing, you know, Bible toting. She was very sophisticated. (laughs) She was, you know, and, you know, no shade to that. Like my great grandmother was that figure in my life. She just was just someone that you looked and you admired But what I didn't know that there was so much behind that, there was so much story behind that. There were so many things that I carried generationally that I didn't even I wasn't even aware came from her. And so in looking back in hindsight, I was able to go back into those memories of like her chain smoking while I'm in the bed with her (laughs) (laughs) or all of these moments and really unpack them for the the way that she showed joy, the way that she showed love, which was not traditional was not the thing that people would say, oh yeah, that was love or that's joy. It was just the safety and the protection that I felt when I was around her. And I mean, she traveled the world. She worked with like high profile people and their children. And, but again, not falling into this model of, you know, what some might call the mammy model or, you know, the black housekeeper or something like that. She was very vocal, very, you know, open about who she was and blackity black, black, black. (laughs) And, you know, it, it, it never stopped her. She was able to reinvent herself over and over again. And I, I take that, I carry that with me. Oh, you know, one of the things you wrote about her, which I felt so deeply is when you said, that you know, she said she was that she would be fine, right? She was ready to go, and you're like, well, why do you have to take all your stories with you, right? right. And that's that, I feel that way so much about people that I've lost. Now I'm gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I think sometimes that that generation, right, like with the greatest generation, or you know, whatever you want to call the silent generation, and especially within Black communities, like there's this, you know, you keep some things you know, you don't talk about certain things. You don't talk about your trauma. You don't talk about the hard things, right? Especially there's a fear, I guess, around it. And so there were so many things that I learned after the fact from just talking to people. I'd begun to do genealogical work. So I was able to kind of trace her line and things I was uncovering. And I was like, oh my goodness, Granny, why? Why did you tell me this? And I think towards the end of her life, she was starting to open up but I was in my early 20s and living yeah. in Chicago and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not even had the presence of mind. And actually, it wasn't until I had my own child that I recognized the importance of that. So, yeah, I get it. It's, you know, those stories. I don't like to think of them now as lost, though. I like to think of them as, you know, part of my journey of uncovering. It's just going to take a little bit longer for me to do that. 
Yeah. Like they're tucked in, you know, just buried waiting to peek out again. (laughs) Well, I mean, most young people don't realize when like their grandmother is depressed, right? You don't think about things like that, right? Right. It just doesn't, it's not even on the radar. I don't know. I think you should write a whole book just about her. Honestly, I feel like that would be so great. I mean, I don't know. Anyway. And then also your cousin. Oh my gosh. I am so sorry. So your cousin for listeners, and I'm forgetting half the time that people even listen to these conversations. <laughs> I'm just like deep in it. <laughs> but your your cousin was shot at the grocery store randomly yeah. for no reason. It's so awful. I'm so sorry. Thank I'm like, you. I, I mean, how do you even, I mean, like there's so much you you reference the body keeps the score so many times and the way that trauma sort of affects you physically. And then you referenced your own sort of, you know, physical sort of side effects, if you will, of, of all the stuff, right. That, that comes from that. But just tell me, I mean, you don't have to, if it's too painful, but just the shock, the, 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 like the, all the emotions from anger to shock to sadness. I mean, that is, it's just so awful. And the saddest part for me in reading it is you're like, well, this is, this is what I've been told. This is just how it is, especially in Kentucky as a black person in Kentucky. Like this is, it's just never going to change. And that felt like one of the more hopeless moments in a book that was filled with hope. Right. You know, you, you, if I could just like paint a picture, like there I was a writer writing about racial reconciliation, writing about racism and social justice issues, you know, telling the stories of Philando Castile and and Trayvon Martin and talking about these people, these people that were my people, right? But there was still distance. And then to have this moment where I get this phone call that day, I'd heard like, like we all do on social media, like we hear about a shooting. And then if it's close to some place that we know or that we grow up, you know, we kind of let check in like, hey, what's going on? And so I did that earlier in the day when I first heard about it. I posted on social media like, hey, heard there was a shooting in J-Town. What's going on? Check in, everyone. Didn't think anything. You don't think that it's going to hit home, right? Even Black folks who move through the world with this sense and this understanding that, you know, we are seen, reviewed differently. And so therefore the, uh, the opportunity or the possibility for violence can, is very present. I still, it, ne- it never occurred to me that this would hit home until I got the phone call from my mom who lives right across the street from the grocery um, and for my, it's my elder cousin, but we, I called her aunt, aunt Vicky, you know, said it was, it was Vicky. And like, I lost it. Like I just, I was in the kitchen. I just sank on the floor because, it, you know, she's, she was the sweetest person. <laughs> like, you know, not that anyone would ever deserve that, but certainly not someone who would have helped this man. Right. And, you know, you said something for no reason that she was shot for no reason. And I kind of, I wrestle with that because on the one hand, it was something random that nobody expected. But on the other hand, there was a reason, right? I'm he sorry. Clearly, you're right. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Clearly, you're right. You're right. No, no, you're right. No, no. But I meant I the, the choice, the choice yeah. of her, the choice of her exactly. specifically. Exactly. A- absolutely. You know, and so for him to say, you know, to, you know, an, another bystander, oh, I'm not going to shoot you, you know, because you're white. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, and he had just been 15 minutes earlier at my parents' church trying to get into what? the church. 
But because of Charleston a few few years earlier, they had put security in place. My parents were just there the hour before for their afternoon Bible study or whatever. So like it was going to hit my family regardless, you know? And so the knowledge of that really sent me, we were talking about like the body really sent me into a grieving space that I didn't know how to navigate. You know, I've had loss in the past. I've had trauma, my own personal trauma in the past, but this felt like something different because it was the same old story around race that I had been writing about for all of these years. Only difference it was that it was my family. It was my home. And yeah, so in unraveling that though, I will say is how I found joy. Mm-hmm. Like I, yes. how I understood that joy was living in that same space with me, right? And so I had to go through this process of unpacking and accessing joy, which is black joy because it lives in the con in this context that other groups don't necessarily have as an experience. So, whew. wow, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm so no sorry. No apologies, no apologies. Okay, now we've both cried. It's only been like ten minutes. If we had the day together, we'd be like a mess on the floor. <laughs> Exactly. You wrote this. Healing uh, tears. Healing tears. Healing tears. Yes. 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 We would feel much better at the end. (laughs) (laughs) You wrote this paragraph sort of as a, like a thesis statement to the book, essentially about black joy. So I thought I could just read that if you don't mind. Sure. You said, when attempts are made to define what liberation and equity looks like for black people, we often hear the language of striving and collective burdens and rightfully so. Our history is filled with the evidence that struggle and dogmatic persistence has been integral to our 400 year-long freedom project. I can't see anything. But as more and more studies reveal, the lens of struggle as the means to freedom has not come without a cost. The physical, psychological, and spiritual impact of racial trauma has often found us crossing the finish line of every battle, war-torn and broken from the inside out. As a writer, storyteller, and back and Black contemplative, I'm not sure I can ignore this for much longer, especially when there is another significant tool in our arsenal one that not only deeply disturbs the racist systems we are trying to dismantle, but also offers a direct path to healing and wholeness as we do so. That weapon is powerful and all-encompassing and necessary. That weapon is joy. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. 
online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy. And you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from. So you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. So beautiful. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I was, you know, the writing process is such a weird thing for me, you know, and really just, you know, I was writing these essays. I'd written the essay for the Washington Post that kind of sparked the whole thing, the whole process of putting this book together. And, but I had to go back and like, what am I, what am I trying to say? Like, what is, the core point of this book. And I think that's really it, that, you know, our experience as Black people in this country, what what we've seen has always been around struggle, around the trauma, around, you know, fighting against stereotypes and biases and all of that, fighting against white supremacy, all of those things, very real, very necessary. That's the work, right? That's the, the work of liberation, But I also felt like there was another work happening simultaneously that wasn't being talked about. So I'm not presenting anything new, right? Like I'm not saying, hey, I got the answer. I'm the Black Joy expert. No, what I did was I went and unpacked all the stories of how these two things, this trauma and this joy live together. And I went to my grandmother and I went to my great grandmother and I went to my own personal experiences on the job, you know, or, you know, writing or with my husband making him, you know, chilly or, you know, <laughs> of those things like, you know, and said, oh, like we've been doing this. Like we've been, you know, the, the, everyone says, you know, black folks are the most resilient, you know, folks, people on the, on the planet, right. Because of that 400 long you know, freedom project. But I wanted to know where that resilience comes from and what is, how can we tap into it? Like, how can we wield it even as we're fighting for voting rights, even as we're fighting, like for all of these things, like how can we wield this so that we are not so broken once we arrive with at wherever, you know, policy we're trying to get, whatever, you know, action we're trying to take, we're not so broken on the inside. And so that, that is essentially what I tried to do by telling my own stories, the stories of my family, you know, and stories of, you know, observations of just life in general. Wow. And the stories of your daughter. And even, you know, your it, the, the story you told about dancing in the rain during the pandemic. I loved that. It was just beautiful. I had one time in this rainstorm, it made me think of this. I don't know why I've like never... It, it, this is not obviously relatable. It wasn't in some sort of societal context, but just as like an individual moment, we were caught in this rainstorm and the water pressure where we were staying, there was like no water, like the water had turned off. And I was like, we're going to do our shampoo and condition. We're doing it out here. 
And I, I went inside and I grabbed the shampoo and conditioner and we all stood in the rain and we all like washed, I <laughs> washed our it. hair and let it all come out. And like, we were in our clothes, like we were like dressed and drenched. Um, oh and it was goodness. one of like my favorite memories with the kids, even though at the time we were freezing and whatever, there's something that's about totally that. Just, mom moves too. You know, right? that's totally I know, I'm like, let's moves. get this done now. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely a mom move. Yeah, you know, like my daughter has taught me so much. Like she, I think even how I even understand joy, I'm learning it from her because she doesn't have the stuff that I have, you know? And so- How how old is she now? She's 10. She's 10. She's 10. And there there is a, you know, a level of freedom, you know, that she has and confidence and um, sometimes lack of boundaries, <laughs> um, but there is like a sense of self that I know that just because of various circumstances I didn't have. And so like, I, you know, as much as I love on her and, you know, I'm challenged by her sometimes cause I'm a mom, um, but also I study her because I'm like, okay, so this is like, there's a purity of it, right? Like there's an innocence to it that I think it, you know, if we can find a way to return to that inner child, that child inside of us, then we would find the joy that maybe we can't access all the time. Like, and so I've just been doing work around her and, oh, you want to go to the park? Mommy, get on the swings. Oh, me? (laughs) Me on the swings. Yeah. Yeah. And I get on the swing and I swing and this is like this moment that floods back this, this, these emotions that just flood back. You know, like, oh, I really used to love the swing. Like, that was my thing. Like, how high could I go? Could I jump right. off? You know, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, she's teaching me all the time. I recently, uh, no, not that recently, maybe a couple of years ago, when my little guys were on the swings, I have four kids and now my little guys are seven and eight. But anyway, I was like pushing them back and forth. And I had all of a sudden this like flashback that when I was a little girl, my mom used to do like one, two, three, we, and we go one, two, three, and then like would run under my swing and yes. forward. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can do one, two, three, we. And I did it for the kids and they were like, you know, the joy on their faces. Yes. And it's, it's something like, you know, it, it does connect you to yourself yes. and that yes. part of us that is so optimistic and innocent and hopeful. And I feel like when all of that has been crushed, right, when we don't know if we can like walk safely on the street for COVID or racial issues or whatever, right, right that tapping into that elemental um, human emotion that we all share that capacity for optimism and joy, despite whatever else is out there is like incredibly powerful. And I feel like you captured that just so perfectly in this book. I mean, it, it, it is, it's so powerful. And guess what? It's healing. Like, you know, I've been doing a lot of reading around somatic, you know, experiencing and all of that. Yeah. And it is physiologically helpful <laughs> you yes. know, to go there to, you know, I tell a story in the book about, you know, the first time I kind of recognized or was at least aware of what joy felt like in my body was watching This Is Us. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and like, I'm like a writer, so I love good storytelling and character development. So I was just like, I was sitting in front of the screen like, with my, and my husband was like, weirdo, like <laughs> what's really going on? But because I had had these conversations with my therapist prior, you know, about what does it feel like? Do you, can you ask, like, do you even know what it feels like? And I was like, no, I don't. Like, I know I've had joy, but like, I don't know 
what it felt like. And so that experience of stopping and saying, oh, wait a minute, my hands, my arms, my, this is what joy, like, I'm really happy. Like, this is what this feels like. Then the next week, you know, when there's another unarmed Black man shot, when the next week when COVID feels like is this huge, never-ending thing, right? I'm able to go in my mind and my heart and my quiet moments to that moment of joy. And it, I feel, it's it's not like the, the red pill or the blue pill. It's not like that. It's not like all-encompassing healing thing, but it helps me. Like, it helps me get over the hump of that fear and that anger and that rage which are all valid emotions also, but it helps me manage it, I guess, a little better. Wouldn't it be funny if if there was like a whole thing about memoirists and the therapists behind them? Do you know what I mean? Like, because I feel like there should be a pillow. Like behind every great memoir is a wonderful therapist. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> or the other side, or not. Or not. Yes, or not. Exactly. 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 So in the writing. Yeah. It should be like the, it's almost like the best supporting actor nomination. Yeah. Or something. Oh, absolutely. Like my therapist, like seriously, Black Joy could not have been. I mean, I I could have written it, but I don't think I could have stepped outside of myself enough to be able to tell those stories without complete breakdown, (laughs) right? Without my therapist. Like, that is a non-negotiable for me on my schedule. It's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Power of therapy. Yes. Not be but I also recognize how, how much of a privilege that is. I know. I should have said that too. Yes. No, no. Like, I'm just saying like a lot of people, like I say that, but I'm also super conscious of like, I have health insurance and people don't, you mm-hmm. know, I have, you know, access. Some yes. people don't, you know? And so I, I always try to be super conscious of the fact that what I'm talking about is actually a privilege standpoint that I wish for everybody in this world to have without stigma. Yes, I agree. Thank you for saying that. Okay, Tracy. So like what's coming next in your life? What do you have going on? <sighs> well, this release of this book, you know, yep. and all the things that come along with that. Very exciting. Uh, yes. Extremely exciting. I've been at this, you know, for 20 years. I just realized that in 2022, in 2002, I published this little tiny poetry collection on my own. Uh, and so I'm like <laughs> 20 years and 18 books later, you know, and now with, you know, the major house and all of the things that come with that, right? Like, it just feels like a real moment for me. And so I'm just trying to, you know, sit in the gratitude of that and just hope that these stories and these essays really help folks so that they really see something that they can take from it and like begin their own healing journeys, whatever that looks, begin, you know, just paying attention. If, if, if everybody just begins to start paying attention to the joy in their lives, even just a little yeah. bit, I'm good. Like I, that's, that's the goal. And I have another book that's coming out in the fall. <laughs> so then they came for mine is actually sort of me unpacking how I've been healing from racial violence and telling that story. It's, it's built around the story of my cousin's murder. So that's coming out and I'm just, you know, trying to sit and be still and take it all in and talk to wonderful people like you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I want to get a copy of your next book. That sounds so good. Amazing. Wow. Okay. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors? 
I said this before. Um, somebody else just asked me that, and I said, "I'm sorry. I'm sorry to ask rude no, questions. No, no, but I do no, like to always no, know." <laughs> oh no, no! I think because my, I always say that because I think my answer caught them off guard. I said that <laughs> don't take advice. <laughs> you know, and honestly, like. I haven't been writing for like 20 years and independent and then mainstream and the whole thing, you know, I just realized that write your story, write where you feel compelled to write. Definitely study the craft, you know, if you need to take a, look, a class or, you know, or whatever, do so, but tell the story you feel led to tell. And I think I would limit uh, over the years. I've gotten so many advice. Do you write every day? Some people say yes, but you know, but I can't because I have kids and I have the so <laughs> write like like just constant like opposing viewpoints. And so I think you know it's less about like advice and and I would just tell a writer write. <laughs> you know, I have so many people that come up to me and it's like, oh, you know, I have this book I'm thinking about writing. Write, <laughs> please just write because the biggest part of writing is rewriting, right? So it's not like you're going to write something, put it out next week. Like the, you, but you know, tell the story that you're called to tell and then utilize your resources around you to be able to make that story the best it, best it can be. I tell my students that I tell anyone who's interested in, it's less about, you know, me giving you my path because my path might not be yours. It's more about like chart your own way, basically. I love that. That's very important. Yeah. I feel like until you experiment with a page or two, how are you going to know if it's any good or not? Right? And how are you going to know <laughs> what the story is? Yeah. <laughs> play, you got to play on the page a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it has been so wonderful getting to know you. And again, I just, I don't know. I just felt such affection towards you from the book and especially having gotten to know you. So anyway, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Can I just say this? Thank you for the work that you're doing. Like, oh. I've been following you for a little bit and I'm so grateful and I'm just so happy for you. Like all the things that are Aww. happening for you. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this, you know, you're opening doors for, you know, moms, women, you know, like it, it, it is, it's awesome. And so I just wanted to like give you your flowers also. Because, you know, a lot of times people don't do, you do these podcasts, like I've done the, on the interview side and like people, you know, don't know the amount of work it takes to be able to do what you do. So I'm just, thank you. Oh, thank you. That made my day. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Tracy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.